Hi, I'm Stephanie Trithui and welcome to Motherland Australia, a podcast celebrating and connecting rural mums across the country. Each week, I'll bring you real and raw stories of motherhood told by women on the land. It's a wild roller coaster we're all on, so no matter where you live or what you do, we're in it together and you're not alone. So, what's it like to raise kids on the land? This is Motherland. Welcome back. Motherhood can be a very isolating and trying time. And the reality is not all rural families have access to parents groups or mothers groups, which can help ease social isolation. That's why maternal child health nurse Rebecca Bradshaw created a child health service entirely online. Town and Country Child and Family Health runs weekly online parent groups so mums everywhere can still access the extra support, connection and friendships they deserve. These groups are run every week on Tuesdays at 10am and 1pm. There's also the option to book one-on-one consultations with Beck. To join or to find out more, search Town and Country Child and Family Health on Facebook or follow My Nurse Beck on Instagram. Being a mum can be hard and consuming. It's easy to feel like you've lost your sparkle while you're deep in the daily motherhood juggle. You're grateful, you won't complain, but in your heart you yearn for better habits, more space, calm, clarity, confidence, and to honour who you really are. Rural coach, farmer, and mum of four, Benita Bench knows what it's like to feel stuck and also how to transform. It was the catalyst for her to create her unique 12-week coaching program for mothers, Illuminate. Enrolments are open for the next round starting on Monday, July 12. Go to benitabench.com forward slash illuminate to book a free 20-minute coaching call with Benita today. Details are in the show notes. This week, I catch up with rural mum, Jelena Whitaker. Jelena lives in a tiny rural town of just 30 people and calls the cop shop home. She's married to a police officer and they live with their four kids in a house attached to the station. They have a very unique lifestyle that sees them move around every couple of years. Jelena opens up about what it's like homeschooling her children and how she's navigated motherhood without being able to settle down and make a permanent home. This is her story. Jelena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Steph. Now, tell us a bit about yourself. I don't know much about you at all. So tell us who you are, where you live, what you do, and who's in your family. Okay. Uh, Jelena Whitaker is my name. I live in a place called Mangalala, and West Queensland. It's about seven hours west from Brisbane. Um, it sits between Roma and Charleville, smack bang in the middle. It's a really small town, doesn't have much here. And so we came here because my husband is the officer in charge of a one officer station out here. And um, I have four children. Um, they are currently, let me get the right, 14. 13, 12 and 9, so three boys and a girl. And I, my role is, I feel like just a support role, um, I'm currently homeschooling my children at home, so that's pretty much what keeps me busy. 
Wow, lots to talk about, lots of questions. Um, but before we get stuck into what life is like for you now, can you tell us a bit about, you know, where you're from, where you grew up and, you know, is rural life new to you or you're used to it? Um, yeah, rural life is quite new to us. We've been out west now um, coming up to two years. So we've been in Mangalala for only six months. So this is the most remote that I've been. Um, previous to that, we were in Charleville and we were there for about a year and a half. And we've been travelling around a little bit for the job, for the police job. And um, But I grew up in Logan in Brisbane and um, I... We raised the kids in in Brisbane and, and on the Gold Coast for a few years. Then we sort of travelled up to Bundaberg, Gympie. So, yeah, and now we're here. So that's that's my, my background. Yeah, and I suppose at some point in time your husband got posted, I guess, around the place and, and out of, you know, mm. ma major centres. Was that, yep. you know, was that always going to be part of the gig and was that something you were prepared for? It depends on the intake that so he's been in the force for only about four four years, so he had a career change. But we did choose to come out west. Uh, after you leave the academy, you have one year posted somewhere, so we chose Gympie. And then from there you sort of get a selection. And in his case, it was either west or north, and we decided to go west. We were um, okay with that and um, we were interested to see what it was like and it also meant that I could at least drive back to Brisbane in one day if I needed so that's that's why we chose out here. And how old were the kids when you sort of made the move and was that was that tricky and how was motherhood around that time with all that change? Um, to be honest it gets harder and harder for me a little bit I just that restarting again the kids are pretty resilient. I'm surprised how much kids can bounce back from things. So, and when Brent went into the academy, we were in school and we were up in Bundy and he was down in the academy. And so I was on my own on during the week and he would come back each weekend and that was a bit of a killer until we knew where he was going to be. And I was as, working as a teacher aide and so, um, but once he was in the academy and we moved again, I decided to do homeschooling for a while because we were shifting and I just didn't want to disrupt the kids. And so then when we came out west, they were sort of already used to that. So it wasn't a shock. I wasn't ripping them out of like their school friends and all that sort of thing. Mm. So for us, um, it, it wasn't too bad. I think the biggest hurdle for them was leaving their family, their cousins mm. and their aunties and Nana and all that. Yeah, that can't have been easy. And I suppose, I mean, take my hat off to you making the decision <laughs> to, to homeschool them and, um, you know, to your point, you know, try and limit the amount of change for them schooling-wise. Was that an easy decision? Because I feel like there are some mums that are like made, not made to homeschool, but they uh. just are equipped with the skill set and patience and they're amazing. And then there's there's mums like me and I just I just could not think of anything worse. And I know that sounds really selfish, but I would just be horrific at it. So how was that decision for you? Was it an easy one? Was it a nap? I mean, you mentioned you were a teacher aide, so obviously you kind yeah. of in the education space, but was that a, an easy decision? Um, it was easy because I was only making it one step at a time. I um, 
start decided from the beginning to always be open to taking them back to school at any time. So, and to be honest, I still have that attitude right now that if it's not working any longer, we'll just figure out how to put you all back in school. So I've kind of aimed to try and stay with the, the Australian curriculum, but in saying that it was an easy decision doesn't mean that it's like, it's still really hard. And I would hate for anyone to come and video me any day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and I, how old were the kids when they started being homeschooled? Obviously, they're in their teens now, or, you know, the eldest is 14. But, yeah, how old were they when you started it? Um, I'm just trying to think back. Um, so if we look at four years, um, Michael, so my oldest was in, in grade five. Uh, he's just finished grade five, so I was starting him in year six. Mm. So, yeah, I've got three high schoolers now and one and one primary school at the moment. So, yeah, so that was grade six, grade five, grade four, and then another grade two, yep, yep. when I started. And I guess, you know, I'm sure it's had its challenges, you know, motherhood for all of us in some way, shape mm. or form, but how has it been? You've certainly had your hands full with four. Um, has it been a, an, an easy, happy journey? Has it been difficult um, before we get to what motherhood's like for you now? What, what were the early years like? Oh, the early years. Oh, I just, I felt like I just kept giving myself a bit of a promotion. Um, like I just have another baby. They were really close together. I had... When I had my baby, my youngest, at, for about a month, I had four under five. And I look back now at the photos and the videos and we just think we're crazy. Like when I look back at it, especially when I was in the hospital, because I'd have like this newborn, but I'd have all these other little babies with me. And um, particularly jumping from one to two, I found really hard because they were only 14 months apart and I missed my oldest and I didn't have the time that I wanted to give to him and I found that really hard to watch him mm. be taken care of by my husband because I just had this newborn mm. and your newborns are so foreign to you like you think you love them but you still don't sort of like know them yet yeah so it, it was tricky and then when I had my youngest I really think I was the most angry I was <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um for for that because it was just really hard because I had well, um, the kindergartens weren't rolled out at that point, so they didn't have C and K and all those those kindies. So I had all of them at home for about seven months, and then finally my son went to prep, and my second son went to kindy at the same time. So it it was intense, but at the same time, growing up, all I ever wanted to be was a mum. Mm. So it was kind of like a conscious choice. I knew that I'd chosen it and that I kind of had to like just make the best of my choices. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose, um, you know, over the years and given your husband's work and you, you know, busy raising four, has that mm. been hard? Have you, how have you balanced that with your husband? And, and I imagine he has been away a lot and, you know, the police force I imagine is quite intense as well. Um, I go up and down a bit. Like, to be honest, I do have a little, I have anxiety, um, but I, I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm quite high functioning. Like I, I still have that drive to get up every day, but in the morning or in the evening, I do, I do have that sort of underlying anxiety. So I'm, I'm trying to 
I went to the doctors recently to kind of get back on top of that. And um, and um, so funny story though, the doctor sort of said to me, he, he was really supportive, really great. Um, but he kind of gave me this homework task to go and sort of find the right psychologist and that sort of thing. But um, it's a funny thing to give someone anxiety uh, that homework to go and find. So I've, I've put it off. I've put it on the back burner. So I, yeah, I, I do struggle, but I do have a very supportive husband. He's, he's really great. Mm. And that anxiety is that, I guess, fueled by, because I'm personally, like, again, this is, this is not about me, but I would be anxious about my husband being a policeman because of all the things that could possibly go wrong mm-hmm. and they're incredible people who risk their lives, you know, in some situations. So mm. was it was the anxiety, you know, from that or was it just something personal and then how has that worked in with your husband's work? Um, I've, I think it's just been always always there, always underlying for me um, from, from a lot younger. With regards to Brent's work, it's a funny thing. When he first joined, I was actually, I was every shift I would check the news like all the time just to see what kind of jobs he was doing or what because we were in a bigger area then. He was in Gympie and so there was a lot, lot of like jobs and different things. So I'd be, he'd come home and I'd already know what kinds of things were kind of happening <laughs> because I was like so, it was so amazing to me that he was going out there and doing these sorts of things. But it's weird, it just becomes sort of, starts to become a little bit normal and you sort of become not complacent but it you're sort of like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's going out there and dealing with that. So for me, I'm lucky I don't I don't experience what he's going through, but I do sit there and listen to him. And like a lot of police officers, it's really hard. They, they are always hypervigilant. They're always, even when they're off call or, or off duty, they still, it's hard to switch off that that police mentality so it does creep in and now being in Mangalala he is on call all the time so it's sort of like that idea that he could go out any moment so you just sort of get used to that and not being able to go away sometimes um, like if there's say there's a ladies art thing on I'm not sure if I can go to it because I've got to be nearby with the kids yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. And have there been any hairy moments, um, you know, throughout, I guess, your relationship together and your husband's line of work where you've, you know, I'm sure you worry about him, but have there been any times mm. that you've really worried or he's been in a in a particular situation that, you know, has been troubling? Um, there was one recently, uh, but it's a little bit, it's hard with the confidentiality to yeah. share some of the things, um, but there was one where I knew that there was, it was, well, it looked like it was potentially really dangerous and I was really, really worried. And because it's local, you can kind of like, see, when we were back in Gympie, it was like so far away from you, you just didn't know about it. Mm. But now it's in your sort of like right in your backyard. And so I, I, I heard, I heard something and I'm like, I've messaged a friend of mine, I'm like, what's going on? Like, and, and it was really hard not to go down there and just check and make sure he's okay. And, and, um, even help out, you know, mm. but I, I just had to like, look, I just have to wait and see. And then I did find out that it was, it was okay. Everything's fine. And he, he, 
got word back to me that everything's going to be fine. And, yeah, but it was it was really, that was the most scared I've been for a long time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anyone who joins the, the police force emergency service services, they're incredible people and they're incredibly brave, but I think there's a lot of bravery that comes with being married to someone like that because of the constant worry and especially with four kids and I'm sure that, that played on your mind from time to time. Yeah, yeah, although you just, you do, you get a little bit complacent. Sometimes you sort of, maybe I should be a little bit, like because sometimes I'm like, you need to tell me where you are because out here you're out of range. <laughs> and um, so he could, I could not know where he is. So I have to, I need to be a little bit better. You just start, it just starts to become normal life. But the only thing is, like it's, I really appreciate you saying that about these the services but it's funny we don't really get the same you know police it's not as glamorous it's not not everyone loves the police you know what I mean it's it's the the nurses and the doctors that are the heroes and the police sometimes are the heroes sometimes they're not they're yeah it's not it's it's not a nice badge to wear sometimes yeah, I can understand that. I worked um, quite closely with local police in, in Rockhampton and around the place when I was a TV reporter and got to know some of the officers very well and it's definitely not glamorous and they definitely get treated, well, they don't get treated mm. as, as well as they should um, in certain situations. Yeah. But, you know, I think you're downplaying it. I think they're, they're definitely inc- <laughs> incredible at what they do and, and you, there's you. no point comparing doctors to, like, everyone's so different. But they oh, are, yeah, yeah, the world would yeah. be a pretty uh, hectic place if it wasn't for, for people like your husband. So, um, no, that's that's incredible. And I suppose, you. you know, the fact that you're in a small rural town, tell us a bit about what life has been like since you moved there because you mentioned that's the most remote that you've lived and I'm not sure yeah. um, what the population is, but just paint us a bit of a picture on, on what it's been like for you and just how remote it is in that town. So it's a little town that sits on the highway and it's got sort of like a couple of houses each side of the, the highway. It's a bit of an ageing population here there's only when we moved here um we found out that we made the population in the town to 30 with our six family so 30 people and then you've got about 100 to 150 people out on the stations so all the cattle stations or the farms outside of us and then we have two smaller towns either side of us about a half an hour either side so we do all our shopping, our, like our groceries, usually we'll drive all the way to Roma, which is about an hour and a half to do that. And then we just pick up some extra little bits and pieces on either, either town. And um, by services here, there is a primary school and I think they only have about six children there. There's the little local pub there is a post office that's open daily for two hours. It's just a little post spot. And then we have a library, which I love. Like it's, I just love it. And it's open for four hours or two hours on a Tuesday and two hours on a Friday. And so that's it. That's all there is here. There's nothing else really to do. There's a tennis court and I've recently got into the community garden. So that's my little project Mm. and how have you felt um 
you know, from a community community perspective, um, I actually saw that you filled out the the motherland survey, which is yeah. still open via the website. It was great to see you fill that out, and you and you mentioned I'm actually just got it up right now, but you know, you said that you mm-hmm. do feel alienated as you're not a, a real local. Mm. Um, so tell us a bit, yeah. a bit a bit about how you know your feelings around that. I think people don't expect you to stay. There's always comments about, oh, yeah, like when we say, oh, we really like it here, and they're like, oh, yeah, kind of like we know you're going to be gone in however long your posting is. So we're here for three years. That's our our time. We could possibly extend. So they're used to people moving on. So you kind of – and then I just don't feel like a city girl anymore. I don't feel like a country girl either. Sometimes I don't even know what to wear. Like do I put on the, the work? shirts and and I don't know I just I feel a little bit alienated because I don't really know my place and then I feel like I perhaps alienated us a little bit more by not putting the children in the local schools especially when they really want the numbers and so it it's not personal it's just what it, it really suits the shift work for our family so yeah and I'm just trying to to make new friends and trying to get in to the groups but at the same time there's that little bit of a barrier because you are the police officer's wife Mm. you're known as the police officer's wife sometimes they don't know your name um and even either towns kind of know you as the the police officer's wife and so there's that little bit and you've got to keep the confidentialities it's like the teachers and the principals like so it's it's it can be a bit of a tricky spot Mm. Yeah, and I suppose that that might make it. Or do you feel like people are not talking about you, but like you said, you obviously everyone knows you know you're married to a police officer, and I, I'm assuming the type of people you want to be friends with aren't out there committing crimes or anything. But there's probably a bit of a bit of like I don't know, like you said, the barriers are up a bit, and um, yeah, do do you feel I guess that it's been hard to connect with people because of that? I just feel like um, oh. It's funny. What I love about small communities is that intimacy that you you know your neighbours, you know their names, you know um, when someone's sick and that's the real beauty of it, that you can sort of help each other out. But at the same time, sometimes in the small communities, everybody knows too much about each other mm. and that can be hard too and sometimes even for the kids, like being the police officer's kids, you know, they've got to, I don't know, they they got to be lucky my kids are good. <laughs> I think they're really good. So, um, you know, you get that sort of feel like you're being watched in that way. But no one's rude or anything, but sometimes I just get a little bit sensitive to, like, we just got this new potty lamb and, um, like, I call myself a faux farmer, like, I've got all these little, I've got some chickens and I've got a potty lamb and I've got a sheep dog, but I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I ask people and they have a laugh at me and I just feel so stupid. (laughs) Oh, that's, I love that. I think that's awesome. I forgot to ask you, like, are you in a a house with a small block of land or what's the actual, I mean, obviously you've got a little bit of space given the uh, the animals you've just mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, so we we live um, in a small country house and um, we have, my husband has his office, the station is attached to our house. It 
it doesn't have a doorway into our home, but it is attached. So we live on the, at the station. So we have people come at different times of the day. Um, you've always kind of got to be ready for that. Um, and we have quite a large block. I'm useless with sizes, but we have two paddocks either side of us as well. So um, we've got enough to have our potty lamb and um, maybe maybe I'll get a calf and I don't know, I'd love to get a horse, but I don't know if I know enough yet. So um, yeah, we, we play we play farmers. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. Don't, you know, don't write yourself off. That's, you know, that's awesome that you're yeah, that you're just trying to do what you can to, you know, get immersed in a bit of country life despite, you know, the fact you're yeah. not on a farm. And I, I, I hadn't really thought about it until you just mentioned it, but that must be quite tough, you know, while you're not, you guys aren't farmers, at the same time a lot of us listening, we work where we live, we live where we work, right, and it can be really hard mm, to escape yeah. from that. You're yeah. in the same boat, very different scenario, but that's, and that's quite full on. Like if people rocked up here at the farm, well, actually they do, but if people with the types of problems that are rocking up to a police station were rocking up at my place, I'd be like a little bit annoyed. Yeah. Is it a bit hard with the personal space? It, it's, it comes and goes. So sometimes because it is a small town, you could be, you could be quiet for a while and then you get fooled into thinking, oh, yeah, this is all right. And then other weekends it's like it all hits all at once. Like we had one weekend and we're like, what the hell are we doing here? This is, this is crazy. Mm. And, um, and my husband was in the next town sorting out a job and then I get someone rock up saying some stuff's going on and then so I'm like oh so I've gone down to to help out and get get involved a little bit so yeah it it does it gets a bit it gets a bit odd yeah um and how has it been for you as a mother because just listening to you and how you've moved around and the nature of the work like you know you're there for three years so it's already you know the clock's kind of already ticking how has that been as a mum because a lot of us yearn to to be settled and to have our home oh. and our families, our kids' bedrooms. And there is something yeah. really reassuring and grounding about being settled. Um, and you've not, by the sounds yeah. of it, had that. So what's that been like? It's really unsettling. It's a little bit like, um, yeah, sometimes you feel like where's home? It, it's, uh, and we don't know now where we want to go next. So it, it makes it hard to put down the roots. We really like it out west though. Like we talk about, like it's got a really nice feel about it, but then you've got to start thinking about your children's opportunities. Like it's fine now and for the next three years it'll be fine, but at the end of that I'll have an um, almost an 18-year-old and what's, what opportunities are for him and, and then boom, 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 the next kid's in a row. So, yeah, I'm always, always thinking I think my biggest struggle is am I giving my kids enough by being remote? Like it's a real head game. And how has it been for them? You mentioned that obviously kids are resilient, but I guess is it at the forefront of your minds that you're going to be moving soon? Like I know it's three years, but it's still like a deadline that's coming up, you know? Yeah, well, it's little things like, oh, do I bother planting a garden or not? And that was one of the reasons why I decided, well, I'm going to go do the community garden. And that was another mental health thing for me too. It 
because there's nowhere to go out here. Even on your days off, you're kind of like, well, let's go somewhere, but you've got to drive hours and hours and hours and it just so you don't. So going to the garden, at least all the kids, we all walk down there and we get out of the house for a little bit, but it, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. I don't. Do you feel like that in your on your farm where you just... Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling, although, you know, there's remote and then there's remote, like being in Tassie, I'm certainly not remote compared to what you're talking about and and other, you know, rural mums living on cattle stations in the middle of nowhere. So the fact that you've got to drive hours and hours, you know, to get certain services, I mean, that's, um, you know, that's that's quite intense, especially with four kids. And has it felt lonely not being able to just walk out of the house? I mean, I know that they're a bit older now, but still, like every mum needs some time out or you just want to let off steam and you haven't really got anywhere to go you've got to get in the car I mean we've all got to get in the car but I mean you know you've got to seriously drive to do anything you know outside of the local town with 30 people sometimes it's really lonely especially because Brent like now with COVID um and he is a little bit more disposable than other officers in his situation. So, in fact, at the end of um, end of the week, he's going away for two weeks to do quarantine um, at the hotel. So I'll be here by myself for those two weeks. And so I'm I'm kind of like gearing myself up for that because last time he did it, I, I didn't do a very good job. Um, and yeah, I think every phone call was a drag for him because I'm like, oh, this is happening and this and they're fighting, you know. So, but, and then it does, it gets a little bit lonely because it, but it's so beautiful and I just, I just sometimes sit out on my deck or on the back and see the amazing sunsets that you have out here and you just wish you had, um, like, yeah, your person, your friends or your, your mum or whatever to sit there with you. Mm. Um, I don't want to be back where they are. I want them to be where I am. Yeah. (laughs) I love that so much. I (laughs) feel exactly the same because my family's in Sydney and I don't miss the Mm. city um, at all and I've fallen in love with with country life. But you want those people to be with you but you want them to compromise and and move to where you are. Um, So I certainly love that feeling. Yeah. And and that. The kids are loud now. They're like they're loud teenagers, and so it's not as physical. Like when they were little, that those first years were so hard physically. Like you've got them all crying at once. It was all about nappies and poo and wee, and you just had one toilet training and one in nappies, and it was just crazy. And so I remember sitting there with just three of them on my lap, all crying at once, and you're just like just you just sit there and but it was a different lonely because you were you had all these little kids and who wants to invite someone over with four like four (laughs) under five like nobody (laughs) nobody wants you to come over it's too hard so but now it's it's a little bit more mental and they're I, I do have really good kids but they still fight and they still yeah, so I've been dreaming lots. Lately I've been wanting to go sit in the car just to have some, like, actual quiet. Mm. But, yeah, so that's that's the hard thing. And what's an average day like for you at the moment with the four of them? Um, well, because we're homeschooling, uh, we've just come out of holidays, so we're easing back into school now. The thing with homeschooling is you've got a lot of flexibility, um, and I do it through um, – 
the home education unit in Queensland. Each state does it differently as well. So um, I don't belong to a distance ed school, so I don't have the curriculum sent to me. I actually have written up their plans and submitted those. Um, and so I follow that. So depending if it's a school day or not, everybody's got their, um, we've got a pretty good morning routine. They've got to have themselves ready and dressed. They've got, a, I like made beds. That's just my thing. It makes it feel nice. Um, they have their own jobs that they've got to do. We've got to go out and just make sure all the animals are fed and, and happy. And I'll usually chuck on some washing. I'm pretty slack at eating. I don't eat my breakfast until a little bit later. And um, usually by nine, we'll get started. And I sort of tend to have a nine till 11 morning block. And then we have two hours off and then we'll go from one till three if we're if it's a school day, because I figure, I used to try and mimic school a lot by having like a little lunch break and then a big lunch break. But I found that by doing it that way, in the middle, I can I can eat, I can plan for the next session and I can do jobs and that. Hmm. The weekends are just, oh, just anybody can do whatever they want a little bit. They still have to get, get ready, but yeah, it's a little bit more relaxed. And this might sound like, a random question, but just thinking to some of the mums I've spoken to with with older kids that live um, on farms, there's always something to do yeah. on weekends because there's animals, there's cattle, there's sheep, there's harvest, yeah. there's sowing, yeah. there's there's something to be part of the action. There's acres and acres and acres to run around. And yeah, what do your kids get up to on the weekend? Because you've got your two paddocks yeah. at the back, but there's not a lot going on. So um, no, no. what do they get up to? So, well. I'm trying because I'm still new to the area, so I'm still trying to find those um, clubs. So next this week, I'm putting my daughter into netball, so that's going to start up. Um, I had them in the swimming club, so I have to go to the town over to do that, the half half an hour away town. Um, I also Charleville was was really good because there was a lot of there was a lot of things we were involved in. So even though we were homeschooling, we were still involved in all the clubs like archery and, and soccer. So I just did all that sort of stuff, that soccer mum stuff. Here it's a little bit, it's a little bit strange because yeah, I honestly have a lot more time than I think most mums um, in that sense. Like I'm still cooking and preparing. In fact, I probably cook more because I can't just pop off to the shop anytime I want. Um, the kids themselves, I they have their, their their Xbox that we do on the weekends, but they love to read. I'm really lucky. They so they just read a lot at the moment. They're really into art, so they've been doing all this art together. Um, my they like Nerf guns. They run around. Um, they're all into. They do workouts together mm. um, with with my husband. So they're all trying to be muscle men um so they're just they're just really basic kids we we go down to the garden uh, the community garden regularly because there's only a few of us who do it well me and this other man really so I make them come down and do that so yeah it's not it's not like we're super super busy but that is hard sometimes too mm. Yeah, no, it's certainly a unique, um, yeah, and a unique scenario for a lot of us listening. It's, you know, quite different. And I suppose 
what's the dream? Like where do you want to end up? Is there the potential that you and your family will finally get to call somewhere home forever or is that going to have to wait until your husband retires? What's next? <laughs> I really wish I knew. It's really tricky. I So when the kids were young, I think this is the hardest thing for me is I have given away a lot of myself. So I've often been the stay-at-home mum or like particularly in this role, like I can't have a job really at the moment and I'm always dreaming of have like my little side hustle or my side something because now I sort of like it's all the kids and it's Brent and from I've I kind of lost myself and everyone says to me oh you need to give to you you need to give to you but I'm like I don't even know what I would besides I love podcasts I love reading um I now have like plants but I don't even know what to you know when you lose yourself so much that you don't even know what you like anymore? Yeah. In fact, the other day we did a um, one of those personality tests and those job tests to just kind of see if I'm still the same person as I was like 20 years ago um, just to try and find out about myself again. So, I, But as for the dream, we're a little bit behind my husband having the um, – the ch- career change financially we were not ever in a place to ever own a home but now being out here because we get our home supplied and there's there's there I've got to be honest there are more financial um uh, benefits from being out here that um mm. as so we are crazily saving up and and trying to see what we'll do and we we talk about having a little patch somewhere where we will I don't know even just have a little little base with a cabin or or just a small country home and then and then um, visit the kids wherever they are because I want to send my kids out like I don't want them to feel like they have to stay with me I'm like you just go and experience the big wide world Mm. and I'll visit I'll visit them but yeah I, I don't I don't really know even within the police you don't know where your next spot's going to be you can't really plan ahead at all and that was my next question is at some point i mean there's lots of police officers male and female that have families are, are they all moving around or do you get a choice depending on rank or how does that work like will there be a point in time where your husband could choose or be posted somewhere that could be the forever destination or not uh I think you once you're in a place, if you like it, like oh, potentially no one wants to go to Charleville really, to be honest. Um, most people have already family or part, especially those young officers who join the force, um, a lot of them get sent out, but they have partners who have jobs and things like that. Brent was probably pretty lucky in the sense that I wasn't attached to anything at the time, mm-hmm. so I was able to support him. But it's it's a real hard thing for some couple especially um trying to get both jobs um for for the family so uh there are some depending to where you go within the police as well um it would like because there's the general duties there's the people that go up the ranks but there's also other branches like scientific and Mm. and things like that which my husband actually comes from a science background, so that's something that he might consider. But, see, that means we have to go back to Brizzy, which we're not actually – I don't know if I can go back to suburbia. Mm. 
you know, it's it's a different feel. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that. All the, the probably the long-term bigger gigs are in the city, which is great for stability, but not so great if you've fallen in love with, with, with country life, I suppose. So, um, yeah, it sounds and like anything's expensive. on the cards. Yeah, and not to mention the cost, yeah. of course, of course. Um, yeah, the, the costs of it. So it, it's it's really expensive as well, that living. But then you think, well, there's more opportunity for the kids as well. There's more um well, you know, I'd probably even consider putting them back in school, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, must, yeah, must tug at your heartstrings a bit. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing your story. It's a very unique one because, you know, we talk about rural mums and, you know, rural comes in all shapes and forms and, you know, the reality is, is a lot of us do live on the land, on farms, um, and yeah. you know, and, and it's really nice just to hear that perspective of someone living in a in a very small rural town who you know, let's face it, police officers and paramedics, like, you know, they are incredibly important to rural communities. Like we all need that as well. And and people like your husband and families like yours are the ones that, you know, are the reason why we have access to those services. So we need families like you who do move, yeah. move around. Um, so it's been really, yeah, it's been really interesting just to hear a completely different world and life that you live. Um, so thank you for for sharing, you know, sharing your story. It's been really, yeah, it's been really eye opening to be honest. Thank you very much. Yeah, if I can encourage any families to, you know, it it's a great experience to come out and and support the small towns. It's got its massive challenges. It's not easy at all, and I probably only scratched the surface, but um, it's well worth coming out and and experiencing it. Well, what was the name of your town again? Uh, Mangalala. Mangalala. I'm Googling that when we hang up and I'm going to check it out. Um, just, yeah, never heard of it before. I haven't heard of a lot of places. It's really nice to just to hear about some somewhere else and have that in our minds on the map. So I'm definitely going to look it up. Um, but, look, Jelena, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful to get to know you a bit. And, yeah, I look forward to hearing what's next, to see where's next and, you know, two 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 and a half years and who knows where you'll be, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see if I if I'm out still out in rural communities or whether we've had to sort of yeah go back in. Yeah, it'd be really fascinating for myself even. <laughs> <laughs> time will tell, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you, thank you for um, meeting with me. I really appreciate it, Steph. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you're interested in sponsoring a Motherland episode, please head to the contact section at motherlandaustralia.com.au. You can also nominate a rural mum for the podcast through the website. And finally, if you've got a minute, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review to help more rural mums discover the podcast. Catch you next week.